God's clients are giants. Beginning in verse 9, it says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Jump down to verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil, from the evil one. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That here's a key verse. That all of them who may, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are, and me are, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may what believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete. What? Unity to let the world know. The world, not just Hayward. Father, I pray for a spirit of courage to go through problems, trials. And I pray for a spirit of unity. For that is the foundation of evangelism. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to be speaking. The title, again, if you're taking notes, you can put it down, is God's Clients Are Giants. But as a theme, I want to, and you can write this down in, in your notes there, that I'm going to be dealing with the foundations of evangelism. Okay? Here in John 17, Christ is not only praying for the salvation of the world and all of its people, but if we closely examine John 17, and we're going to do that here today, we're also going to be able to see and define the way and the means on just how to win and to reach that world that he's talking about. He talks a lot about the world. And, he's, and he tells us here how the ways and the means, how to do it. Do you want to win the world? Well, we're going to find out today how to do it. Okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to just give us the ABCs or the one, two, threes on how to, you know, uh, win a soul. I'm not going to give you that today. All right, you know, we have what is known as the Romans road. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death. If you confess with your mouth, it's called the Romans Road. Four different scriptures in, in found in Romans. The book of Romans, how to win a soul. Okay? I'm not going to give you that today because Jesus didn't do that here uh, in, in John 17. Rather, we're going to look at what Jesus brings out in order to win and to reach that world here in John 17. That they may believe. Do you want to have people believe? Yes. How are they to believe? Through our character. That's what Jesus zeroes in on here. Our character. Your character is, speaks. My wife once had a sermon called, Your life speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Ooh, la la so soon. That's character. Your life speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. You can mumble jumble all you want. You can quote scriptures left and right. But if your life isn't right, then you might get left. Let's go on, let's go on. Uh, uh, see, by our Christian character, the world is caught and brought, the Bible says, to belief. So, as the basis and as the primer for evangelism, Christ is saying that it's not so much as what we do, 
okay, that can convert and win the world, but it's more of what we are. Not necessarily what you do to win the world. You can have all the steps down. You can do this. You can, you can go out and evangelize all you want. And it's not so much what you do. It's who you are. That's how you're going to convert the world. Character, character, character is the big, big key in evangelism. Are you with me? Now in verse 9, it seems as though Jesus is, is uh, excluding certain people from salvation when he says, I pray not for the world. Like if he's not praying for them, okay? Okay, that's what he says in verse 9. I, I don't pray for the world. Uh, but that's not true. It's not so. What Christ is saying, once you read the rest of the verses and the rest of the chapter, is that he's praying for certain disciples that the world through them may come to believe. That's what he's praying about. It can seem like God's being exclusive and just praying not for the world. I'm just praying for these people. Yes, he is just praying for the disciples. Yes, he is praying just for me and you. But he's praying for me and you to catch the vision and compassion and go win the lost. That's what he's saying here. He says, I pray for these that the world may believe. In other words, God is praying for me and you. Hayward, Victory Outreach, that the world might believe. That we'll... I have a sermon many years ago, I, I spoke, I, I caught a hot, and I don't want to get well. I didn't catch a cold, I caught a hot, uh, and I don't want to get, don't even pray for me. See, Jesus is never into exclusion, ex excluding other people, okay? Though some of the, you know, uh, 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 wording in John 17 might imply that. Christ is more into inclusion. For God so loved who? The world. God is not willing that any should perish, but how many come to repentance? All come to repentance. And while, yes, the Bible instructs us to love our neighbor, but it also instructs us to love our enemies. That includes everybody. See, the brunt and whole of what Jesus is saying to us here in John 17 is that he has chosen and he has elected to win and to evangelize the world through a certain few. That's the doctrine of election, but I don't want to get into that. Okay, I don't want to bore you right now. I want to keep your attention. I want to get you going. I want you to be soul winners for God's honor and glory. But he's saying, he's talking about election. He's elected you and I to be soul winners. That's what he's saying in John 17. Did you hear that? That's the doctrine of election. We have been elected to serve and to win souls. See, our calling and our election is not to be kept or to be bogarted. It's just to hoard in the blessings of God. For ourselves, no. But rather, we are called to be a channel to distribute God's blessings. That's what we're called for. We're not called to, to just privilege, but we're called to service. Through the believer, God seeks the non-believer. Are you with me? Then, through the church, He seeks the world. That's why He saved you. He didn't save you just to go to heaven. I've said it before. If He saved you just to go to heaven, He'd have shot you at the altar. Boom, I got another one. Huh? Oh, there's another one. There it is. There she was. Uh, she's gone, gone, gone. No, 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 no. He's got a purpose. Again, how does Jesus say we are to win the world and bring the people into salvation? In John 17, he says, through our character. Uh, who we are is just as important as what we do. You know how you can develop character by listening to sermons. Look at verse 15 of John 17. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but 
that you protect them from the evil one. Verse 15 shows us part one, or point number one. I'm going to give you two points here today on character. And he gives us point number one on how to win the world. He says, by being kept from what? The evil. Kept from evil. That they may believe. He goes on to say that. That they might believe. When we are kept and we, when we stay away from evil, people believe. People can get saved. See, our staying away from evil, our unworldliness, our holiness is one of the key ways that Christ says will bring salvation and conversion to a needy and dying world. And that's character. When you're able to say no to sin, especially people that used to be so weak for drugs and alcohol and drugs and porn. They see people like us and all of a sudden we're not sinning no more. Man, what is it? Of course it's the power of God, but there's a reason to it too. People see that and say, man, God's clients are giants. The first and foremost and primary way of bringing the world to belief is through the ministry of separation, through the ministry of consecration, through the ministry of holiness. Be holy even as I am holy. Uh, go and sin no more. Period. See, by doing what Jesus Excuse me, what James says in James 1.27, remaining unspotted from the world. That's what James 1.27 says. To remain unspotted from the world. Stay away. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, the Bible says. That's a key way how the world will believe. It's sort of like a boat. A boat is in the ocean, but not of the ocean. It's on the ocean. That's the way we are supposed to live in, in, in this earth. Like boats on the earth. We're in the world, but not of the world. We're just boats passing through. Amen. See, we believers are called to go against the grain of the world regardless of the strain. You got to go against the grain regardless of the strain. And it's going to be a strain to say no to sin. Come on. If you were safe for three seconds, you know that. It's not easy to say no to sin. Especially people that wrote the book on it. You authors, you. Ah, in so doing though, from staying away from sin, we prove to the world that we believers have a foreign power within us, and I would call it a foreign power, that can enable us to live an elevated life, living an elevated life. God's clients are giants. A life above the circumstances, elevated life. A life above reproach, an elevated life. A life above the sin and the muck and the mire of the world. The elevated life. God's clients are giants. Uh, I remember, I, I wrote, I've written certain poems before when I was in the world. And that was one of, I think the most famous poem that I ever wrote, I was telling my nephew yesterday, was the sun rises, the sun sets, oh how easy one forgets. I never finished a poem. That was my first words. And I liked that one. And I just stopped right there. You know, the sun rises... The sun sets, oh how easy one forgets. What, that, what I meant by that is that in one day you can forget everything. Uh, but I, I like this one too. That I, God's clients are giants. I wrote those words many years ago when I was in the world too. But the, I wrote that when I was in prison. I'll never forget when I wrote that poem. And I circulated the whole poem throughout every prison in California. They, they got it and said, yeah, it's pretty good. Chicano stuff. 
They circulated through every, every newspaper in, in the prison system. Uh, but the reason I said to myself, God's clients are giants, is because they stuck out to me. They were outstanding. They stood out. See, my friend, you as a Christian, you stand out to your friends. They're in going to church. Church again? They were in church last Easter. That should be enough. Church? Ah, oh, you stand out like a giant. That's what happened to me. Years ago, I had you. Some of you have heard Lydia Taylor speak before. That was She prayed for me the day that I got saved. While her sister, Stella Bustillos, I, we had her here many years ago when we had a, uh, we had a banquet with Charlie Santana and different people. Uh, and she came. Man, because when I was in prison, people, and they, they, were, they were older people, sort of like 47 years old to me. They were older, you know. And I was in prison. I was writing, and, and to me, they stood out. So God's clients, I would think about them. I said, they're giants to me. How can they do it? Uh, I mean, here I am living like, <laughs> and there they are, living like an angel. Uh, see, we are to live a life that is outstanding, uh, that will stand out and stick out to a non-believer. Romans chapters 10 and 11, they mention this when they say, and it mentioned it three times. It mentioned three times in Romans chapter 10 and Romans chapter 11. It says, provoking them to jealousy. That's what it means. Uh, can I preach on this scripture many years ago when we were going through the book of Romans verse by verse? And Paul says, hey, listen, let your Christianity be so good, so good, so good that the other people are going to get jealous. Instead of saying church again, they're going to say, church again? Wow. Look at that. And look at, and he gets blessed all the time. Look at the suits he has. Man, and man, he has, he has money sometimes. Man, and wow, look at his girlfriend. Ooh. Ooh. That's what Paul is saying. He says, provoke them to jealousy. And the best illustration that I could use is when we were kids and you asked Patricia Prom Night to go out with you, and she said yes. And you brushed your teeth. <laughs> you borrowed the car. You washed the car. And Patricia prom night was all decked out. Looking fine as wine in the summertime. Because that's what they say, you know. Then you just happened to cruise down the neighborhood. Oh, where am I? And there she is next to you, and there you are, and you go down real cool, and you look at the homies. Oh, oh, look where we're at, Patricia, Patty, Patty baby. Uh, what's up, fellas? Long time no see. As you can tell, I've been busy elsewhere. You. Uh, and the guys were like, ooh, the only thing I ever catch is a cold. You know, but just a guy, look at that man, huh? Yeah. Then you go by again, uh, uh, I forgot something. 
Because you're provoking them to jealousy. The guys get all jealous. Well, that's the way Christianity is supposed to be. We're supposed to tell you, you mean, you mean you're not saved, Harold? You mean you don't know about Jesus? Man, for one, you're going to go to hell. Then look at you, you're missing out on all, man. Then don't, don't, don't get all mad at me for going to church, man. I love church. I can't wait to get to church. Man, to praise God and glorify God and give him the glory and he gives me the blessings. That's the way it works in the Bible. We're supposed to provoke them to jealousy. God's clients are giants. Don't let the devil belittle you. Let's go on. See, that is how we're called by Christ in, in, in John 17. Okay? To witness by our willingness to remain holy unto God. Are you with me? That's what we're supposed to witness. Stay holy. Stay separated. Uh, for if we should lose him, we'll lose a good thing. Yeah. If you should lose him, oh yeah, you'll lose a good thing. You're supposed to let them know, hey, 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 you go to hell, not me. I'm going to cling to the old rugged cross because if I should lose him, I'm going to lose a great thing and I'm not that stupid. Only a fool has said in his heart, there's no God and Ma didn't raise no fool. Huh? Not me. Not I. I. God forbid that I should sin. Huh? Uh, so then the world trips out. They trip out and say, man, this guy, como ha cambiado, he has changed. 180 degrees. See, the Apostle Paul, he knew the importance of staying pure and going through the fire and going through the trials in order to evangelize the world. See, Paul knew that a willingness to suffer and a willingness to stay holy was a heavy tool of evangelism. Are you with me, evangelists? A willingness to suffer, a willingness to stay holy is a great tool of evangelism. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and what else? And the fellowship of his sufferings. Turn to Matthew 21, 33 and 43. Let me show you something that Paul already knew. But you've got to keep a hold on John 17 because we're going to come back in just a little bit. See, Paul knew. He says, I don't want to be a sissy. I don't want to be a cream puff Christian. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But also, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Christians got to go through things. There's no easy believism here. Ah. Uh, Paul knew that when a Christian is doing all that he or she can to stay pure, to stay away from evil, that even and especially in that believer's hardest moments, the world is watching. Anybody going through some hard times here today? The world is watching. You evangelist, you. You're better than Philip LaCroix right now. Everybody's checking you out. Uh, they wanted to see if you can come out victorious. Do you have Matthew 21? Verse 33 says, listen to another parable or parallel. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, built a 7-Eleven so they could have coffee anytime they want. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. Look at verse 43. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. This is a powerful scripture on evangelism that Paul already knew about. See, Paul, they're talking here to the Israelite nation, the Israelites, the Jews. 
in Matthew 21, 33 and 43. And Paul knew what Jesus was saying when he was quoting this parable. Paul was a, a student of the Word of God that you need to become. We need to become students of the Word of God. We got to know what we're doing here. And Paul, studying the scriptures, he, said, he, he read that and he says, man, Jesus is talking about us, that we turn into a bunch of sissies. We like to smoke camels and hang out in the corners and don't give an oliase. We don't care about nothing. Oh, we're, we're so selfish. All we think about is ourselves and how we can have a good time and how high we can get. God, giants. How high we can get. And we don't care about nobody else. Paul says, no. He says, man, look at, God took care of them. God took care of the Jews, the apple of his eye. God took care of Victory Outreach. They're so good. They're so bad. He, he built a hedge of protection around them. He built a wine press. He built a moat. Bible says, he, in Isaiah, it says that he took care of all the rocks and got rid of them. He, he spoiled them. He did. And so they were supposed to evangelize the world, but since they were so spoiled, they did not evangelize. So if you get spoiled, that's not a good tool for evangelism. If we want to evangelize, if we want to win the world, my friend, then we got to go through some doozies. We got to go through some hard times. We got to look, my friend, evil in the face. We got to look suffering in the face and say, suffering, look in my eyes, read my lips. Here I come. I'm not going to run. Here I stand. I can do no more. And I'm not going to do it because my family is at stake. My friends are at stake. Even my enemies. It says, love my enemies. They're at stake. And I'm not going to run. Here I am. Paul knew that. He says, I don't want to be a sissy like my forefathers. So I'm going to do it right. Jesus was right. And I want to evangelize the correct way. Uh, see, people, people are watching you when you're going through hard times. When under the gun, don't run, son. I think the first illustration I ever used whenever I preached here many 16 years ago was this one. And I want to give it to you now. Some of you never heard it. There was a pastor who was building a dollhouse on a Monday. Philip La Cruz says, Monday is prophet's days off. That's a lie. That's when we get the most phone calls. Uh, but anyways, it was a Monday. He was building a dollhouse for his daughter. Plural. And he had, you know, belt here with hammer and nails, screwdriver and all that stuff. And, you know, all that stuff that I know a lot about. Pastors, you know. Uh, and he was out building a dollhouse and going through the, you know, the checking out the, how you're supposed to do it, the guidelines and all that, and putting it together. It was on Monday. Then all of a sudden he saw a little boy, his neighbor, little kid, looking over the fence, checking him out. And he kept building and doing what he had to do. About an hour later, he looked. The little boy was still there, checking him out. So he gets more... All right, he builds better. He's getting over here and put into. He says, "Many probably thinking the little boy wants to learn." Who oh, from a pastor? Can't say from a pro, you know. Oh yeah, he wants to look real good, and he's building the dollhouse for his kids. And he looks, and now the kid's still looking. Finally, the pastor says, "Son, so what are you doing, son? You want to just you want to get some pointers on how to be a carpenter, how to build?" And he goes, "Oh no, uh -uh. I'm waiting to see what a pastor says when he hits his thumb with a hammer." Because you're going to do it. <laughs> uh, you're a preacher, not a carpenter. Uh, see, the world is watching you in your heaviest moments. They want to see what you're going to say. Or, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and glory to God. I'll do it together for good. Uh, are you with me? 
See, Paul knew the principle. Paul knew the effects of, of you know, living and overcoming holy Christian life. He knew that. Paul knew the importance of being kept from evil. Why? So that the world might believe. It's not just for your benefit. So that the world might believe. Character is, yes, for you, but it's for others as well. We believers are to display a refined appetite. Not for the things of the world, but the world has a different appetite. They have an appetite for the world. We're supposed to say, no, no, I don't like that. I don't want that. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. My taste buds, they don't get to me over here. Mm, nah, beer just ain't what it used to be. Uh, see, Jesus prayed in John 17, 15, that Christians would not be taken out of the world. That's what he says. I pray not that you take them out of the world in John 17, 15. Why? Because the world needs us, and we need the world as well. The world needs us. Uh, we, like I said, man, when we get, get saved, he didn't send us right to heaven. He left us here because the world needs us. That's what Jesus says. I pray that you take not victory outreach Hayward out of the world. Why? Because the world needs them and they need the world. The world needs to test them to see where they're coming from. See, without us, the world would be headed to hell on a grease pole. Plain and simple. But God doesn't want us out of the world until our joy of evangelism is complete. Not our job of evangelism, our joy. Man, I'm telling you, going out at 5 o'clock, 5.30, that's going to be a joy. Some of you are saying, man, how can I do that? It's going to be a joy. The joy of evangelism, not a job. Christianity is a joy. See, so God doesn't want us to take us out of the world. Listen, if you were Bill Russell, how many know who Bill Russell is? He's a coach of the mighty Dodgers. If you were Bill Russell, would you get rid of Raul Mondesi and Mike Piazza? <laughs> Some of you Giants fans say, oh yeah! Uh, no, not until the pennant is complete. And the series is complete. That's why Jesus says, I'm not going to take the Christians, Mike Piazza's of the Spirit, the Ram Mondesi's of the Spirit, the Barry Bonds of the Spirit. I'm not going to take them out of the world. Not until their job and their joy is complete. Not until they have evangelized. But not until then. Are you with me? Uh, that's the same principle that Jesus is teaching us in John 17. That to explain our character, our holiness, our separation, our willingness to take for the gospel's sake, then the world can be one. Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sin. You know what that means? It means, hey, blood and guts. There cannot be forgiveness. There cannot be repentance. There cannot be salvation without a little bit of shedding of blood. In other words, Jesus paid the price. He paid a price to save the lost and to win the world. Do you think that it's not going to be any easier for us? we got to pay a price. Uh, we might have to shed a little bit of blood. That happens. If we're talking like we're supposed to be talking and, and winning the world, we're gonna, some of us are going to go to Iraq and Iran. And some of you are going to go to Iran and then you're going to say, and I ran away. No. You have to have the Iraq attack, Mac. Jack, come on. Uh, evangelism will not be easy. Tonight I want to preach about that and even more so. Evangelism is not for the sissies. The primer for evangelism is, my friend, suffering, holiness, a willing to take for the gospel's sake. 
Bible also says in Amos 6 1, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Uh, it's not, you know, Christianity is great, but it's not all leisure and ease. The second and last thing that Jesus brings out in John 17 regarding evangelism, evangelism through character, is found in verse 21 of John 17. Let me read it, then we're going to close. I'm getting close to closing here. Verse 21 of John 17. Verse 20 says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Are we going to go out? Yeah, they're going to believe through our message. That all of them may be what? One. Father, just as you and I are in, in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world what? May believe. Then verse 23 says, in I, in them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete what? Unity. To let the world know. Point number two, my last point is, first number one is a willingness to take holiness, separation, willing to suffer. That's the key to evangelism. And the second thing that Jesus is saying in John 17 on how to evangelize the world is through unity. Harmony. Okay. Getting along. Like Rodney King would say. See, through our willingness to be united together as one unity, that through that unity, the Bible says that the people may believe. When they see us together, especially in a very diversified ministry like the one you're in here. Uh, you, we have all walks of life in, 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 in this church, under this roof here today. Uh, for people from different races, from different neighborhoods, from different backgrounds, from different shapes, hallelujah, from different groups, from different cities, from different cultures, can come together and worship God together. Together. You don't just see Mexicans here. You don't just see blacks here. You don't just see Filipinos here. Uh, you don't just see Indians here. I mean, you know, all walks of life. You don't just see Asians here. Yeah, all walks of life. Uh, and, and, not, and different cultures too and different jobs and different, different uh, spectrum of society here that they may be one that's how the world will know that'll be a testimony what a testimony to an unbelieving world that is see the absence of envy the absence of jealousy and division and strife and the presence of a beautiful fellowship among God's people what a powerful tool of evangelism that is when they see us together together. Uh, man, I'm looking forward to going out to hit the streets these next six weeks and, and, and different people from different walks of life witnessing together. A black with a white. A Hispanic with, a, with an Indian Orient. Different people, all walks of life. A guy that used to be on drugs and a guy that never broke a plate. Together. They won't know how to... People are going to be like, you know, fabric, you know. You go to that church, you go to that church, you go to that, you go to that church... You know. You know, we were walking on the boardwalk in the city walk the other day when we took the police shotgun to, to Los Angeles and we took the youth to the city walk where they, they had the movie, uh, Universal Studios. And, and, and you know, we, we had to do a few things. So we were bringing up the rear. A lot of our young people went out there and they started witnessing right away. And I heard some kids that were smoking and stuff. And one kid, he goes, you could tell he was the leader of the group. He goes, he says, man... Hey, hey, I think that place is some place like for, for people on, on drugs, drug addict people, you know, rehabilitation place. He, was, he thought that Victory Arbor was just for a rehabilitation place. And he saw our young people. 
He saw a community that never did nothing. That never, you know, they, were, they, they were young and they don't want to go to the world. They want to stay in spite of it. See what I mean about evangelism? It got to the guy. He was beginning to think, he said, man, I thought it was just for drugs, people on drugs, it was a rehab program. It's not, it's a church. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of unity. It's a place of power. That began to minister to the guy. Ah, God's clients are giants, becoming one. There's an old poem that says, To dwell above with saints we love, heaven, you know. oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, now that's a different story. <laughs> I gotta love her. Don't you know she was my Darth Vader in the world? Uh, see, the Apostle Paul knew. He knew himself, the tie between unity and evangelism. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 2, you know what Paul says? And I'm going to close with this. Some of you say, close with anything. I'm going to close with this. Philippians 4, 2, you can look it up. He talks about unity. 4, 1, 2, and 3, he talks about unity there. Actually, even Philippians 3, 2, he talks about unity. The power of unity. Paul understood the power of unity. You know what he says? Look at, look at Philippians 4, 4, 2. The very power, you know. Some of you, you, you see the sign all the time when you're driving by a neighborhood, right? Who has the King James Version? Philippians 4.2. Some of you see the sign there, right? What does it say? Beware of dogs. Doesn't it say that there? Huh? Beware of dogs. Paul didn't just have a Rottweiler in his pad. He didn't just put this up near his garage or his fence and say, beware of dogs. No, no, no. Paul put the sign up to the church for the church to read. Uh, it wasn't for the non-believers, it was for us. And he's telling the Christians, hey, listen, read this sign. Beware of dogs. Now, back in those days, dogs used to run in packs, wild in the city. And you had to be careful for them. You know what Paul is talking about? And Paul's saying this, not me, okay? I'm just expositing what he says here. I've read some of the commentaries, so don't get mad at me. Paul is saying this. Hey, Philippians, have you ever seen a dog in heat? That's what Paul said. How many dog owners do we have here? Uh, oh, we, had to, we, had to, we had to do some kind of uh, incision in ours. We had to take care of business in, in Port King. Uh, but, you know, male dogs in heat. Paul said this. They'll climb the highest fence. They'll swim the deepest ocean. They'll run the highest mountain. If you younger ones don't understand it, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, but you scholars, you Bible scholars, you. Uh, that's what he said. Paul said it. He said, be careful with them dogs and heat. You can't tell them no. You can't tell them no. And that's how some Christians are. Paul says, beware of some of these dogs in the, in the house. Brother, I'm sorry, you can't. What? What do you mean I can't sit there today? That's my chair. It's an unwritten, uh, got my name unwritten. What do you mean I can't date her? He just got to the church. But look at me, man. I got four mustaches. 
they are. Those pastors, he thinks he's Hitler. We want you to be a testimony because it's powerful for evangelism. But sometimes they can't say they, dogs cannot be told no. They're going to bite you. They're going to claw you. I used to see some of the marks I have on my back. No, I'm just kidding. Ruff, uh, ruff. <laughs> see, we're telling you no sometimes for your own good. But then that's when the con contention comes in. That's when division comes in. That's when strife and vainglory comes in. When people are not, you know, we develop an atmosphere. You know what our kind of people, we, we, we deal with fear. All the gangs in the, in the, in the prisons and the streets, and all, they, they intimidate people. And they get their way by intimidation. That's never going to grow something big out of fear and all that. No, 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 no. Um, things have to be run out of love and, and out of conviction. And some of these people, they, they, they come into the, the church house and they act real bad too. They bring in their big, bad, worldly reputation into the church house so they, so they can be told no. Uh, and with seven foot, nine inch Lenny has to tell them no, they get all mad. I can do what I want to when I want to with who I want to and I'm going to do it no 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 that makes for contention other apostles beware of dogs be careful with them because that creates division ah oh, but when you're able to bring a leash and you're able to train former hotheads ah uh, and get them to say yes. That's why I told you about willingness in the beginning of the sermon. A willingness to submit. A willingness to, 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 to go with the flow. A willingness to have good character. Then you become a champion show dog. You come early for prayer. You have your Bible. You have your notes. You have your colored pens and you're ready. And then you're ready. And then you, you get fed. And you grow. And you can evangelize. Uh, are we ready to evangelize Victory Outreach? And let me end with this. There should not be anybody that cannot be one to the Lord. Zero. Nobody. The only way that there's somebody that's beyond being reached is because you and I have been a bad testimony. When there's no unity, when there's people that are not willing to be holy, then they can say, no, 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 no I don't want to be a Christian. But there's nobody beyond reach. But all you got to do is be a good testimony, stay separated, consecrated, holy unto God, and then get along with your brothers. Listen to the Spirit of God. Don't, don't look at color. Don't look at all this stuff. Man, I, I took Art Blajos, Big D, Donald Garcia, and Kilroy to Pastor Macklin's church years ago, a couple of years ago. And I knew what was going to happen, but I got there late. I had to do, I was doing some stuff with Shaking the Bay, and I, and I got there a little bit late. And they gave me the mic as soon as I walked in. And I knew they were going to testify. I knew they were going to call them. And then I, because it was primarily of a different race, church. And so I said, you're going to hear some things today that you might not quite understand. You're going to have to take a whole bunch of John 3, 16s, and, 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 and then you'll be okay. I knew what they were going to say. You're going to hear some things today that you're going to have to really be mature. Because these men were rugged dudes. And sure enough, all four of them, when they testified, even when he preached, said, I used to hate, and they went on to say the race. But I don't today. I don't anymore. 
And, and Art Blahos was the number one man on the hit list for the BGS, the Black Gorilla family, because of the things that he had done. But no more. No more. Uh, we don't see color. We don't see all these different things now. Uh-uh. We see souls that Jesus died for and that he can change their lives. Unity. It speaks volumes. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.